Welcome back to the Business of Living podcast. I'm really excited today because one of my dear friends, Chris Nehemiah, is joining us today. And from the moment I met Chris, I knew I was going to be his friend just because of the way he thinks, because of the way he lives, his attitude about life, his love for entrepreneurship, his love and priorities. Did I say prioritization? (laughs) (laughs) And the way that he prioritizes his family and his marriage, I'm like, this dude's solid. Here we are today, good friends. We've done a podcast together in the past. We've done some masterminds together. I am pumped to have you on the show, Chris. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks, Michael, man. It's a Pleasure to be here. Honor's mine. And uh, man, I, I know we, we've had a pretty fast friendship as soon as we met. So it's a little uh, little cool to, to be here, share this mic with you. And uh, we both have those same uh, same focuses where we prioritize or prior, prioritize <laughs> our, uh, <laughs> our life. Tongue you know twister, I mean? try saying that fast. That's right, you know. But no, I just, I love it. And that's probably why we're just such such great close friends and kindred spirits is that, you know, it's, it's not all about business. It's about... Yeah, it's about living. It's about it's about our families and our, our wives and kids first, and then everything else kind of comes into play. And so it's it's great to have you, man. Great to great to be in your life and uh, linking arms, doing this together. No doubt, my friend. Um, just for the people who are wanting to know a little bit about Chris, uh, where do you live? Like, what does your family life look like right now? Yeah, what are you up to? Yeah, so we. I'd say tell, tell people I'm a California boy who found the be- the better coast. So I live in Florida now, in Tampa, uh, Clearwater area. Uh, we moved here about four years ago, and our, our family have been married 21 years. Uh, to my dear wife Alicia, we've got four kids, two boys, two girls, ranging from six to 13. So, just like you, Michael, we are in the thick of it, uh, yes. business and and just the business of. Uh, you know, the family schedule is, is nuts and so full, but we, we love it. We wouldn't have any, any other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, just, um, if you are friends with Chris on Facebook, you'll, you'll see probably on average every weekend, about 50 people <laughs> in his yard running around playing sports, having parties. So your house has almost become like the social center for all of your kids and their friends, which is pretty awesome. Uh, thanks man. Yeah, it's, it's fun. We're, we're still, uh, we're still growing the backyard vision of what we want there, but yeah, we had, gosh, we had, we had such a packed house. We had 82 people here, uh, two weeks ago for one of our kids soccer preseason parties. And it was like packed to the gills and, and so <laughs> much fun though, man. It was, it was a blast. We love doing that. Love doing life with people and, uh, just gathering, you know, gathering friends and, and new friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, you know, one of the first things you shared when I was first getting to know you is a story that you experienced way back in high school. And Chris was the valedictorian of his high school. And he had the opportunity to give a speech to his entire class. Chris, tell me about that story. Cause there's more to Chris Nehemiah. There's more to how you got started. And a lot of people might look at your life today and say, Oh, wow. Chris was really fortunate. He's uh, got a great business. He's got a great family. But like anyone who has lived a little bit of life and has been in business, there is a lot along the way, right? There's a lot of obstacles, a lot of challenges, a lot of things that people go through that you don't hear anything about. And I love this story. 
tell us about what happened. Oh man, it's a, we could take all podcasts on this, but, uh, <laughs> I'll try to condense it, but yeah, you're right. This was probably one of the first as a 18 year old at the time, probably one of the first big opportunities to overcome a challenge and, and learn some grit, you know, along the way. But, um, yeah, like you said, I was earned that spot of uh, valedictorian and, and, uh, was presented the you know opportunity to give a speech and had a deadline for that. So I, I remember it clear as day, man, it was a Tuesday afternoon. The graduation was, uh, the, that Friday and I just left the principal's office, dropped off my draft speech that was supposed to be printed for the binder and and uh, went about my day. But that afternoon, I got a call in one of my classes and the principal wanted to see me. I should probably take a step back too. I was really involved. It was a small school. I was really involved as a, a as a high school you know student. So kind of an eye roll here, but like, yeah, valedictorian and student body president and played sports and all that stuff. Uh, so I was, I was engaged. And so obviously I had a pretty direct relationship with the principal. And so we sat down and he said, Hey, I've uh, gone through your speech and, you know, it's got, got a few too many references to your faith and, and mentioning God and Jesus. And, and I said, well, that's, that's who I am. That's who people know me as, you know, I was, I was president of the Christian club on campus. We did outreaches and he says, yeah, but uh, I need you to take, take the night, think about it. And we need to probably rewrite this speech. So I went home, told my parents and they weren't, you know, they weren't too happy. And, uh, we just, we did, we prayed about it. We talked to our pastor. We also had a friend who, uh, who was a, an attorney and said, this sort of feels like we're, we're getting our, uh, our speech, you know, censored here. And so what are options? And so we, we did, we went back the next day and said, you know, this is the speech I intend to give. And he said, well, you're not going to be able to give it then. And so we sought an injunction on the school, basically a, a restraining order from, <laughs> from, uh, preventing them from doing that. And so my next two days, you know, as people are doing senior skip days and they're having fun finishing, finishing high school, uh, you know, we're doing, we're, we're doing media days on the, the steps of campus because people start to find out about this, this story. And uh, so, you know, hosting press conferences and interviews and all this. And so the way the whole kind of that weekend went was they, they met, we went to graduation ceremony practice rehearsal Friday morning. And that's when we got the news that uh, that indeed the school won. They were not given the, the, the temporary injunction. And so I went back to the principal's office that afternoon, hours before the, the actual graduation itself. And we started going through the speech line by line. And he's, you know, th- that dreaded red marker. He's like, eh, strike this, strike that. And I quickly realized this is not me. This is not my speech. Mm. Um, the speech itself was really three points that most philosophers have dealt with. Who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? Mm. And in the, in the context of graduation and through an 18 year old's eyes, you know, along with, with kind of my lens of faith, that's what I want to share. Yeah. So we agreed to say, Hey, I'm going to just get up there, give a paragraph of why I can't speak from my heart and get down. So we go to graduation it starts, it's packed. There's tons of media and cameras because this has been picked up in Northern California now from LA to San Francisco. People were, you know, wanted to know what was going to happen. And so just as we practiced, you know, the musical rendition got, got done and I was stage left and I got up on stage, approached the podium and the principal went to the podium first, grabbed the microphone, off microphone said, get off the stage. You've lost your right to speak. Wow. And 
I mean, I, yeah, I, I was, I was floored. I, I was just a, a total mix of emotions um, yeah. because, you know, here, here I was worked, you know, worked hard all those years and, and uh, wanted to speak from the heart. Well, obviously there's something going on on stage that the stands become just crazy. I mean, they're, they're going berserk. It was like a, a high school football game. They're, 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 clapping stomping there's chanting let him speak whoa (laughs) yeah so pretty pretty wild you know set of circumstances i start just bawling um because i'm you know i'm I'm embarrassed i'm i'm wounded i'm i'm frustrated and angry and and the the school uh the school board that was sitting on stage they get surround me in a circle and they start you know telling me get off the stage you're making a fool of yourself you lost your right. Why did you choose to, you know, choose to sue us? And it's getting louder in the background. And, and eventually they, after one of them's cursing at me, um, they say, Hey, Chris, we'll have you arrested if you don't get off the stage. And, uh, and so pretty dejected. Uh, I just, I went, went down the stage and off and, uh, was fortunate to have a classmates that supported. And so like literally my entire classmates get out of their seat and we just, kind of do this big, you know, group hug, people are crying. And it was just, it was nuts. Wow. I, mean, I, had, I had an uncle that was like ready to climb this, climb this fence and hop <laughs> on stage. And <laughs> it was a pretty wild scene, man. That is intense. I mean, the, the amount of pressure just emotionally for an 18 year old kid to have to stand under that. I mean, that's unbelievable. I was afraid to raise my hand in class when I was in <laughs> high school. I mean, that's just a tremendous amount of pressure. But wow, that that's really cool how your classmates surrounded you. But I'm also thinking of these adults that are standing around you and cursing at you. I mean, what? I mean, yeah. what what kind of display of leadership is that too? And so what what happened next after this crazy intense experience? Yeah, it, it was uh that following month and, and months to follow was pretty surreal. So we, you know, finished graduation after it calmed down. And, um, but the next day, and this is, you know, it was back in the nineties. So no, no, no cell phones, but we, uh, my parents, uh, voicemail answer machine, uh, was packed when I woke up the next day from, uh, media outlets, you know, across the country that picked up on this, they shared the video on, on the news that night and just all that had happened. And so, uh, the next several weeks, you know, we were doing doing radio interviews, TV interviews on Fox, and and the cool thing was, man, what what was going to reach maybe two to three thousand people, right? This this yeah. simple speech in a stadium. Uh, the LA Times printed the speech. The San Francisco Chronicle, uh, multiple, you know, m- multiple newspapers. I w- I read the speech uh, on on radio that reached millions of people, and so pretty cool from, you know, from a faith perspective, what, what I may have intended for something and what even, you know, the enemy might've meant for, for, for bad to censor me. Like there were so many opportunities to share that message to a, a much wider audience. And uh, so that was a pretty, pretty cool silver lining out. Of, out oh of my gosh. Game. That's amazing. I mean, that's just one of God's promises, right? That what the enemy intended for evil, I'll turn around and use for good. And how cool is that, that instead of just a room full of family and students and friends at a graduation, this message was spread and millions of people 
heard it. I mean, that is unbelievable. And I think that's because you decided to take courage and you had people behind you that were supporting you and you stepped out there. I mean, you had no idea what was going to happen as a result of suing the school. A little bit of courage goes a long way. <laughs> Such a cool story, Chris. Uh, well, thanks, man. It feels, and it was decades ago, but uh, man, it, <laughs> it's yeah, like it too. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it certainly, like, like we were talking earlier, there's just some, some moments where you, yeah, you, you face some challenges, you face some obstacles and, and uh, how are you going to approach those? You know, will you kind of roll over and, and play dead or will you take the opportunity on? And And so it's, Little did I know that would have a a role to play in my life, I, I believe, and just kind of how how things would play out, you know, in the coming decades. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such a good um, example of what courage feels like too, because you know a lot of people want to feel self confident, a lot of people want to be courageous. It has this sort of uh, draw to it socially that oh yeah, um, I'm going to be courageous, I'm going to be brave. But what that actually feels like is being in a place where you're extremely vulnerable and maybe even to the point of tears, not knowing how things are going to happen, but still leaning into it and stepping into it. I love that um, example of what courage actually looks like. And there's kind of another cool part of your story that I'd love for you to share. And I know all about you. So I'm, I'm picking these out and, and asking you to share on them because I think they're powerful and they're just good examples for people to learn from about what it actually looks like to move through life and the challenges and obstacles that pop up. Not a lot of people probably know this about you in your circles today, but you had a career in politics before, and there was a pretty abrupt ending to that. Take us to that place where you had that moment of knowing this is not me. <laughs> yeah, that was another... That was another season, man. I, I, I joked that I, I finally quit politics when I learned what the word meant, you know, <laughs> poly politics, right. Is, is a, is a double, double Greek word, poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood sucking leeches. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what politicians are, man. Uh, well but, said. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, what happened there is I, I went through college, you know, got, got my degree and had a, a poli sci minor got bit by that political bug and had an opportunity to jump in uh, to to lead a PAC, a, a political action committee, which is kind of the the big money guys behind uh, politicians and and parties. So we were a fiscally conservative, uh, no social issue type of type of organization in Southern California. And my board was a bunch of bunch of millionaire mover and shakers, you know, in, in the area. And so we would identify candidates to run for office and support them, fundraise. And so at a, at a young age, you know, my early twenties got to be, um, around and, and frankly, kind of the influence of the area. So we had, we had congressmen and senators and people in my cell phone and, and, uh, we would call on and their chief of staff to, to make things happen. And so, you know, in your young twenties, you're kind of, Hey, this is pretty cool. And it's kind of heady and you get, you yeah. get surrounded by all that, um, you know, and just the, the pride that can come and the, the all that. Well, it was a pretty stressful time too. Uh, this is in California in the early 2000s. And so we had multiple things going on locally and at the state level with a governor recall and recalls locally, impeachments. I mean, it was just this harried pace of life. And by the way, I had just gotten married. 
And so, you know, I'm pursuing, I'm a young 21 year old here, just, just learning about marriage and relationships. And then frankly, pursuing my own, my own thing, pursuing my own career, my own, uh, you know, pride kind of coming, pulling me, pulling me ahead, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and so I just remember, um, that busyness and my wife had gone back to school at night. And so my typical day was, Hey, I'm up at, up at 6am, get ready, head down to, you know, the downtown high rise for a power breakfast with somebody important and spend the whole day doing stuff. And then, and then it was the evening, you know, cocktail receptions for a candidate or whatever. We kind of became ships passing in the night for a while Mm -hmm. and, and really disconnected uh, from each other, which was my fault. And, and uh, it really, it really affected what we were doing. And I just remember one evening leaving San Diego mm-hmm. and and driving north uh, up. And this is you know timely, but if you if you know Top Gun, you know Maverick. This is yeah. driving right up through seeing those those fighter pilots where they train. And and I remember looking there and going, "Wow, these guys are brave and, and courageous to get up there and do that." And I remember looking at my rearview mirror. I'm leaving downtown San Diego, probably eight o'clock at night, and there's all these lights on in these in these buildings. And I'm going, man, oh, it sucks. There's so many people still working, you know, working late. Mm. And I'm like, hang on, I, I just left. I'm one of them. Whoa. And and it just hit me. And knowing that there needed to be some changes made in my life, you know, I was kind of off course and, and going the wrong direction, and so. I remember looking up at these fighter pilots going, they've got the courage to do these big things. How can I have that courage? And again, I don't know how God speaks to everyone, but for me that day, he spoke through the radio. I had uh, just turned on the radio and there's a song by this band called Switchfoot called This Is Your Life. And it it goes, you know, this is your life. Are you who you want to be? This is your life. Is it everything you dreamed that it would be? And Michael, you know, I'm I'm, I'm pretty emotional and, and have these stories now where, I literally was like crying back to the radio, like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not the man I want to be. Uh, this is not the life I envisioned to live and started literally sobbing to the point where I had to pull off over to the side of the road there, right by the military base. Mm. And just had this moment with, with God saying, God, I need help. I need, I need to really truly surrender my life, not take it upon myself. Mm. And, and we need to make some changes. And it was that night waiting up for my wife to get home that I sat her down and said, honey, I, I think we need to make some big changes and I need to leave politics. It's not healthy for us, not healthy for me right now. And let's go pursue something else together. And we didn't know what that was going to look like, mm. but, um, but that was a, just one of those nights that'll be burned in my mind in terms of like, okay, there's yeah. something, another big change needs to happen here. Such a powerful story. And I think sometimes we get those moments where we know we're not on the right track and something is whispering to us, but we kind of push it away and, and ignore it. But man, it sounds like this one hit you like a ton of bricks and it was just abundantly clear that something had to change and it had to change immediately. And then you acted on it. Like you went to your wife and said, Hey, we need to change something here because this is not the direction that we were meant to go in. Man, those moments are so powerful, and I feel like we have those opportunities all the time, but are you listening enough to act on them? Are you listening enough to transition out of something that you know isn't right for you or your family 
maybe you don't have the courage to do that. And that's, that's a scary moment, right? Leaving that, leaving politics where there was so much opportunity for you and you were really excelling and you had the influence and the connections to really go big in that world. And you were leaving all that behind. I mean, that's a scary situation. And so then you fast forward uh, a couple of years here, but you have this, uh, this business up and running mission travel, where you are supporting missionaries and groups of people, um, helping them with their arrangements to go spread the gospel throughout the world. And that was going pretty well, right? I mean, tell us about what happened. This, this is up to more recently, just in the past couple of years. Here we go again, right? Another big transition that was frightening. What happened? When, you, when you're threading all these stories together, it feels like my life's been quite the, uh, the whiplash and, and roller coaster ride on some of these uh, highs and lows, but that's yeah. life, right? It it's has. Navigating yeah. all that. So, yeah. So, we had, uh, we'd started this online travel agency doing, doing large group tours. Things were going well. We fast forward from 06 to, to 2020, you know, we hired a bunch of staff and people were working from their homes for us. And, uh, you know, five years ago, I really got to take a big step back from even being, that engaged with it and really just kind of coaching the the right people and, and uh, being the business owner, you know, truly, and, and kind of dabbling in some other stuff uh, at the time and doing some coaching and getting back into to real estate a little bit, but mission travel is still the majority of my income. Hmm. And, and then boom, COVID hits. And you talk about an industry that really suffered uh, you know, we we think about retail, or we think about bars and restaurants and things like that 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 really suffer, suffered hard. But they were able to pivot and do takeout, and and they they made some adjustments pretty quick. Nobody was traveling. I mean, literally, literally, tra- air traffic went down ninety eight percent for like the next quarter. Yeah, when the country uh, won't let you in, there's nothing <laughs> you can do about it, right? Right, right, and so. You know, we had a uh, one of my staff who I didn't really talk to each of my employees on a regular basis, but she reached out end of February and said, "Hey, I just want to let you know, you know, this thing in China, this COVID thing they're talking about is, I think, it's kind of starting to affect people. And every call I'm getting is to cancel stuff that we had already booked instead of booking new things. And this was like our peak booking season. Oh. And I'm going, oh, that's okay. Well, we need to keep a keep track of that and you know, a couple more weeks go by and now it's daily in the news in the, in the U S and, um, you know, anyway, I had to make that tough decision end of March to lay off, a you know, 11 people on my staff. And, uh, and then we went through, you know, some time to try to get the PPP money and get them back on for a little bit. But again, no one is booking anything. And so, uh, for a company that was doing really well, 15 years, and then had a major loss, I'm scratching my head and and my existence at that point, just going, uh, how am I going to get through this? What's this going to look like? Yeah, and um, and just remember having some tough, tough conversations and and some, you know, frankly tough even conversations that were vulnerable with with you and some of our close friends of, mm-hmm. you know, hey, this is this is a tough time for a lot of us, and be open to ask the tough questions of each other. How are you really doing? Because these are the moments. I mean, March 2020, April 2020 were really tough financially. And and those were the times, if you look back at history, you know, Great Depression, guys are throwing themselves in front of train tracks or, 
the great recession, people are jumping out of tall buildings. Yeah. And so I, I remember giving you guys a permission to say, please, please check on me because <laughs> there's some, <laughs> there's some yeah. low points yeah. right now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So that was a, uh, you know, that was a start of just this other pivot season of my life of, of going. And, and I think it was end of April, early May, where I reached out to, to you and, and a few other friends that are coaches and trusted advisors that I look up to and just said, Hey, I'm having a personal retreat day at the beach. And I really want to examine my life where I am. Bring me some of your best questions as a coach. And I just remember journaling through that day and it really helped come to light. Okay. I, I need to move to a different direction and, and pivot toward these new things in terms of, of real estate, which I was enjoying, but as a side thing Yeah, and, and some coaching that was also side and I uh, needed to make those uh, a reality to bring in some income and to, and to really serve other people in that way. And so that was a jump off point to what, what I'm doing today. Wow. I mean, 14 years of building this business mission travel and to something that was very profitable, very successful. You were also supporting the lives of several other people who are working for you. And then in essentially a month, it was what? 95% down. Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Somewhere around there, but, and then to, to have the wherewithal to stop and say, okay, what am I going to do next? Um, it's just really impressive where you have arrived today. And I know you're just, you just feel like you're getting started too, right? You're like, you're, you're having fun in real estate and you're continuing to build and grow and you're thinking about the future and you have a, a vision for um, a whole lot of new, exciting things within real estate. But you were in a way starting from zero when you started this real estate thing. And I remember that. Like, I remember you asking those questions and thinking, should I, you know, I put so much time in building this business is, I mean, is it silly to just throw it away and move on to something else? And, and then, yeah, I'm interested in real estate, but I'm nowhere near the point where it's really generating the income I need to support my family. But, uh, that was only what a little over two years ago. Talk about your real estate business now. I mean, how many doors are on your portfolio at this point? Yeah. So I, I just jumped in. Um, I think we've got about 24 right now, uh, but looking to sell several of those um, just because I, I do a, a combination, kind of a two two funnel, two, two income uh, streams within the business. So I do flips and then I do you know active buy and hold uh, rental properties. And so it's a long story, but I got involved in, in two different markets um, out of state. So kind of testing and proving the out of state investor model. Um, where I started rentals in, in Ohio and, and then in Tennessee, but looking to do more here in Florida now. But you know, when you were talking there, Michael, just about that adjustment, that that other pivot, and your head full of stuff going on. I remember uh, one particular moment. And this speaks to your this speaks to your podcast title, um, just the business of living, because I remember in that in that dark time of say April 2020. You know, my mind is like every every day and and. Even at night, I'm thinking about you know my employees getting them on unemployment and just their families and all this other stuff going on. And oh my gosh, what am I going to do with my own income? And mm. I was just very in my own head there for a while. And again, four kids, we homeschool, we're always together, but I'm just sort of like a little crazy for a while. And I remember this moment taking my uh, four-year-old at the time to Home Depot and uh, we're you know we're waiting in line, right? And and because COVID, masks, and all that kind of stuff. And so 
but we're passing the garden center and we're hold, I'm just holding her hand, you know, we're going to get a few things. And she says, um, <laughs> she says, daddy, let's, let's stop and smell the flowers. My gosh. And, <laughs> and I, I just remember like her sweet little voice saying that. And, and my, my head's a million other places. And I'm going, thank you, Lord. Cause she is absolutely right. That's, that's what the business of living is. Is just stopping to smell the flowers, being with those you love, and and the rest is going to sort itself out. And you're going to take actions and do th- those things. But um, man, that was just a, such a gift from my little daughter, mm. uh, Moray, at the time. And and something I think we just need to think about is, you know, as, as your listeners are these CEOs and people moving forward and and doing things in life and influencing, to not forget those those gifts that are right with, you know, within our own doors, our own household. Um, mm-hmm. That's truly what, what living's about. Absolutely. And I love your heart about that, Chris, because it's, you know, that's something a lot of people say that, oh yeah, I'm family first and I put them first, but you live that. And you've just that example you started the show with of all these kids and families being at your house and you investing in them. I mean, that's a large part of the reason why you do what you do is so you can have that flexibility and you're out um, learning how to sail with your oldest son and you're um, working with your son who's into soccer, um, helping him get the best coaches and spending time with him. And the same thing with your daughters too. You're dressing up and going on dates with them and, and you're spending time doing that with your wife as well after 21 years. And that's the heartbeat of why I think that you've been able to overcome all these things because you do it for them and you do it so you can live life with them and invest in your family. And I love that about you. And, um, that helps us find some courage too, right? When in those moments where we're like, what are we going to do? And we look at our kids and we look at our wife and we're saying it's for them. And that's a big part of why I'm doing this whole thing is for them. It's not just to get an, another dollar, make another buck, be a little bit wealthier. It has everything to do with that lifestyle of doing life with your family. That's cool, man. You you could accomplish a whole lot if you didn't think about them at all. You could probably 10x your income if you weren't thinking about that at all. But would you really be wealthy? And I know that you understand what what true wealth is and you are pursuing that regularly. So, thank you for sharing that that real story of what that looks like. What are you getting excited about as you look into the future? I actually do more with my kids, even within the business. Uh, so yeah, we, we're aiming to do more in terms of some real estate here locally. My sons are 13 and 11 and there's, they've kind of, they've both gone on these real estate trips with me up to Ohio and Tennessee sometimes just to kind of see what dad's doing and have some one-on-one time and, and we roll up our sleeves together. But now they're like, you know what? I want to learn how to do, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so awesome. we, uh, yeah, just, just yesterday, man, he saw the, saw the post. I, I grabbed a, a new, new pack of, uh, power tools. And I'm like, guys, I want, I want you to learn how to use a skill saw and a, and a miter saw and you know, all that stuff just to give them some practical skills and also just to be able to do some things together, you know, actively and, and give them opportunities to, to explore what it is they want to do in life. While having that example of you know real estate's always there, it's I don't I don't care if they go into real estate or not, mm. uh, but but to have some practical tools available to them, they understand kind of the 
the financials of, of what real estate can do, uh, but also just being there. Like you said, I mean, you know, we're part of the sailing club. My oldest loves that. My other kiddos are involved in soccer and dance and everything else. So I'm just excited about being here more often to, to mm-hmm. do life with them and see what opportunities arise, you know, through all that as we just do this life and, and teach our kids in, in some different kind of out of the box uh, ways. Mm, yeah, it's awesome. I've I've watched your journey and and been with you along the way, and um, just the richness that that leads to when you choose to invest your fa- in your family is something that you can't touch. You can't buy that, and um, it's such a worthwhile pursuit. And so I'm I'm learning from you, and I'm encouraged by you as I watch you in those since you're a couple years ahead of me with your kids' ages. So I want to ask you another question here, and we can wrap up. But I talk to a lot of people regularly that are at one of these points in their lives, either in their career or in their family, where they're just, they just know they're not where they are supposed to be, not where they want to be. They feel kind of burned out at one of these transition points that you've had so many of and you've moved through them. Yeah. What perspective can you share just if, from somebody that has been through a lot of those? somebody feels like stuck there, maybe they're in a job that is just, they're just dying a slow death in the job that they're in, or they feel like it's too much to put their family at risk to make a change. What have you learned through your own experiences that you think would mm-hmm. just be helpful for somebody in that spot? It's a big question. Um, but I would say, I would say this, there's, there's so much opportunity on the other side of fear. Mm. You know, we, we think of fear as this huge brick wall that we can't get through. But uh, when, once you learn how to, the fear is, is in your rearview mirror and you've got all this opportunity in front of you. So circumstances and situations are, are different for people, but it's just pushing through to say, what, what are my options? Like literally, if I'm in this track of I've got to stay as, my, as the CEO or I've, I've got to be this employee, but you have other, other dreams, other things tugging at you, you need to listen to that. Mm. And, and you need to be okay with pushing past that fear to explore those other options on the other side, because you know li- life can be beautiful. If, if you're already having those scenarios in your mind where I feel like, oh, this, this is a dead end, you know, fill in the blank job, yeah. career, whatever, then you're already living your worst nightmare. So what, what does it take? Why not explore the option on the, on the other side of that? And I think you'll find some beauty uh, on, on the other side. That is solid, solid advice, because oftentimes that fear prevents you from even exploring what's out there. The fear is so great that the idea of thinking through, you know, what, what could I get involved in or what, what could I explore and learn more about and figure out what next steps would look like? If you sit in that fear, there's none of that exploration or creativity. So that's solid, solid advice. And um, you've been a a solid example of pushing through that fear and just saying, what's possible? What's out there? What could I learn? What could I do next? Who can I talk to, to then also shine some light on and perspective on this journey for me? So Chris, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your story and your journey. I look forward to continuing to learn alongside you and really appreciate you spending some time with us today. It's my pleasure, Michael. Look forward to hanging out soon down here in Florida with you and your family too. Yeah, man. Can't wait. (laughs) 
thanks for listening to another episode of the Business of Living podcast. Man, you got to love Chris Nehemiah. If you want to hear more about what he's up to, go to chrisnehemiah.com. I'll leave a link in the show notes. And don't forget to stop and smell the flowers. Yeah, we all have a lot to do. There's a lot of things that we want to accomplish to move the ball forward. But if we can't enjoy the journey, if we can't stop long enough to say, hey, this life is valuable. It's worth stopping long enough to fully let some of those feelings of gratefulness sink in. Take Chris's advice. He's accomplished a lot in his life. And the main thing he wanted to leave you with is to stop and enjoy the people that you love the most. Have a great week, folks. Welcome to September. I know summer's winding down and there's some sadness that comes with that. But fall is an amazing time of year. It's the time for harvest, for cooler weather, for beautiful leaves, for shorter days. And along with that come so many more opportunities to live life fully. So go out and do that. I'll talk to you soon.